I had an 80 year old lady that came there with her grandson to learn about Bitcoin with him. And, you know, the first hurdle there in challenge was when I first started off and I'm, I'm doing the hands on demo after I did a couple of like slides and things. And I said, I said, OK, now copy and paste this URL into this box. And she, and, and she raises her hand. This old lady raises her hand. She goes, I don't know how to copy and paste. This episode is sponsored by NordVPN. I've been using NordVPN for years since it doesn't log your data, has over 5,300 super fast servers in 59 countries, and I can pay in my favorite cryptocurrency, Dash, which is important since I'm unbanked. Take back your online privacy. Sign up now with the promo code DCN and get 68% off, or just $3.71 per month, plus an additional month free. Go to nordvpn.org slash DCN or use the coupon code DCN. So, hey everyone, I have the wonderful pleasure today of speaking with the one and only, and I do mean only, Crypto Stash. How's it going, man? What's going on, Joel? Thanks so much, man, for having me out. Appreciate it. Yeah. So first off, what came first, Crypto Stash or the Stash itself? That's actually a really good question. So they kind of came, you know... Well, I guess the crypto stash brand, you know, really did come from having the mustache. You know, I actually grew this mustache out in 2013 because I was throwing a festival at the time uh, uh, called the Folk Revival Festival. It was a bluegrass roots and, you know, country music festival. And so I was like, I'm going to grow a mustache out to enter in my own uh, beard and mustache competition I'm throwing. Maybe I can get the prizes back because we were pretty bootstrapped, man. So... Uh, I, I, so I grew it out and then realized when I, you know, we, we had the contest, like, no, these people in the beard and mustache community are far more advanced than I am in the oh, facial yeah. hair category. And so I didn't even enter and I was like, eh. but everyone liked it. I mean, I liked how it looked. And so I just kind of kept it from then. And I did the festival for about five years. It was about a 5,000 person uh, event there. And uh, it was, it was pretty well received. So the mustache stuck around from then. And then, uh, you know, when I started getting a bunch of questions and stuff in late 2016, trying to talk to friends about Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, you know, I was getting a lot of the same things over and over again, kind of questions. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to create like a little just rinky dink blog mm-hmm. and just start jotting down my thoughts, you know, and I'm like, well, I got to have a, a name. I got to get a, a website address. And so I uh, went with Crypto Stash. Yeah, I don't see many of those in the game at all. And um, that's kind of funny because. Uh, there's been a lot of different connotations with you know people uh, in you know the hipster world as it will or whatever else and uh, it's kind of interesting to see uh, there's it's definitely not one of the craziest brandings I've seen out there and it, it, it is fun to know that it is kind of an authentic thing that came from something real back in the day that just like ah oh, let's see what let's just like run with it let's run with who I am organically. Uh, there's some other, yeah. you know, weird superhero themed people or some other weird, you know, everyone's trying to have their little, their little thing. And, you know, anyway, it's how long have you been in the crypto space in general? That seems to be a good um, indicator of well, where people's perspectives come from, because depending on like what age you start in, there's like a lot of history that comes along with it for perspective. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of especially people are thinking like, oh, all these people that are just talking about sick gains on YouTube or just people that came in around 2017, bought into the hype, and they still haven't let go. And so, yeah, yeah so when did you get involved in this whole thing? Uh, yeah, so I, I first uh, really got involved in the end of 2013. Mm-hmm. So that's when I really dove into what Bitcoin was. I'd actually seen it kind of before that, in tw- the, the year prior. But I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I just, it was a quick link I saw. And I was like, oh, you can go buy Bitcoin here. That's interesting. I'm going to go look at it. And it was, I'm a tech guy, I work in the tech industry, so uh, it was just kind of perusing some forms. And uh, I went into this website in 2012, and I saw like, oh, you can buy Bitcoin. And then, wait, there's Litecoin too? That's mm. a scam, man. This is a scam for sure. <laughs> and so I didn't see anything about it for like at least over another year. And then into 2013, uh, it came back into into my uh, radar. And that's when I really like, I was like, I, I, I'm going to take a second look at this now. And I'm seeing more and more about this, you know, and... That's when I started reading on Bitcoin Talk and then read their white paper. And mm-hmm. that's when it just clicked. I was like, oh, my gosh, wow, this is way bigger than what I really first saw and what I thought when I originally saw this, you know, because no one did a great job of really describing it. I didn't. It was just kind of a surface level 
investigation there in 2012. So, uh, so yeah, I, I started researching in 20 the end of 2013, and then the beginning of 2014, I bought my first Bitcoin, and then Mount Gox. Wow, yeah. <laughs> so then I just kind of hodled through that that whole like two year bear market, and I didn't I didn't look at anything. I wasn't watching crypto. I was just mm-hmm. like, all right, well, I socked some away and. Uh, you know, it's it's all good, and then yeah, the uh, you know twenty twenty sixteen was was really I was like, hey, you know, I have some Bitcoin. I'm gonna go check on that, and then I realized, like, oh man, the the you know environment has has definitely grown a lot. You know, mm-hmm. now there's Ethereum. That's interesting, and so uh, I got back into it, started really you know diving into the community, diving into what was going on in in the greater crypto world outside of Bitcoin, and it just you know I it it, it got me. You know, I was like, all right, I I got to be more into this. You know. I run a web development company, so, you know, I'm very up on, you know, what's going on and, and kind of cutting edge stuff. I have to kind of be, you know, and um, so seeing this and seeing the potential and in particular the potential with Ethereum and with programmable type of money or, or you know, smart contracts, uh, it was it, it definitely, you know, was like, oh, this is this is the next level. You know, Bitcoin is, is, is amazing because of the properties it brings, you know, uh, uh, immutability, censorship resistance, which is the big one. Of course. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, you know, be able to transfer value without a third party being being uh, involved, which I loved. But then, you know, seeing that there was much more coming from this space was was really interesting. So I, I jumped in, created a website uh, after uh, trying to talk to people about, you know, these things. And, uh, you know, the, the kind of rest was history. And it just snowballed from there. Honestly, I didn't really. I didn't like intend to be a content creator or be a YouTuber that was never like, oh man, I'm, I'm going to get on YouTube and just go crush it and teach people about Bitcoin. Yeah, well, that's one of those ways you know it's kind of you know, meant to be and not just a, a hustle. And uh, so it's sounding like what re- you kind of, as anyone should, just saw that this was something that was big and you should probably look into it. But then just something that's big means you buy some and then the price goes up and then down and you don't look at it for a few years. But what gets you into it and staying into it at a certain sustained level is some kind of like some kind of hook. So it's sounding yeah. like that hook was more or less Ethereum. Is that kind of correct, or is it? Is there more to the story than that? I mean, it wasn't necessarily just Ethereum. It was seeing how much the ecosystem itself had kind of you know blossomed since mm-hmm. last I checked. You know, when I first got into Bitcoin that that, that in 2014, or you know. Like I, I saw it, I was like, oh, this is amazing, but I didn't really jump into like the community aspect of it. I didn't really go beyond much, you know, like Bitcoin talk, just looking a little bit there and then making a purchase on Coinbase at the time. Of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and so, you, you know, it, I wasn't really heavily invested um, with my time, mm-hmm. you know, with my money for sure. You know what, what I could afford at the time is like that, which, which, you know, was I obviously I wish I could have bought more. I mean, every, everyone always says that no matter what time I yeah, think they bought Bitcoin. Except for, I guess, if they buy all-time high, but still, uh, yeah, if they know if they know better, they'll probably still, you know, be kicking themselves that they had not bought, uh, you know, in between those times. But uh, yeah, it was really just the, the blossoming of the community, seeing that this this uh, you know cryptocurrency you know ecosystem had really started to grow, mm-hmm. and there was much more going on than just hey, it's great here is there's you know digital gold essentially or or P2P cash, you know, whatever you want to look at Bitcoin. Uh, there was so much more going on and it was like, oh, this is getting really interesting. I just want to see what's, you know, what, what this is all about. And so, yeah, so that, that, that I think it wasn't necessarily just Ethereum, but yeah, Ethereum was, was definitely one of those things where it was like, wow, this is a really interesting development. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I want to see where this is going to go. Well, that's one thing I think that uh, a lot of people kind of have a hard time wrapping their head around is that Ethereum kind of is the alt space. And like I checked on, you know, CoinGecko, the top hundred tokens and, Oh, 51 out of 100 were Ethereum based, you know, Ethereum and Ethereum based or whatever, which is like, wow, that's huge. Just all, all the giant chunk of the ecosystem is around that. But then, of course, there's also like the sad side of it, which is scaling problems. Now you can't move any of your tokens. And there's a whole yeah. bunch of different ones that I've, you know, for example, I use basic attention token. I've used, um, you know, I use pre-search for like the search engine credits and stuff. And yeah. like, there's a bunch of different ones that I'm like, oh, now I can't move them. Oops. Or. That's, that's the magic of ERC twenty right there, man. Yeah, it's the magic and the pain. You know, it's like the magic is you just get to attach it to something that just works. But then the pain is, well, what happens when that thing that just works doesn't? And so, yeah. uh, why for you does cryptocurrency really matter? Now, it, like you could be doing a million things in life. You'd be caring about different things. This is a cool tech. There's a lot of cool tech out there. You could be into 
drone racing for all I care, right? <laughs> but like, there's something that like, what what was the thing that really matters? Like, when there's dark days and you just like, man, I want to get up and do this anymore. Or, like, I just want to do something that's easier, more stable, or whatever. When you, the thing that pulls you back into crypto, that like, why is this not just another thing to do? What for that? What is that for you? I think really it all boils down to being able to opt out of the current broken monetary system. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I really like look at all the pieces there, I think that that's one of the things that I love the most. And that that then you can extrapolate into a, a bunch of different fields. So not only does that mean, you know, fiat money and the greater system that we are kind of, you know, beholden to, I will say, you know, that we don't have much of a choice but being in, mm -hmm. we can... Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general, you know, allow us to opt out of that system and, and just simply say, we're building something brand new. We're building a system that we feel works. We don't need to be a part of your system. I don't need to try and change the system. I'm mm. not going to go protest about the U.S. dollar or about the Fed, you know, printing trillions of dollars of and our economy and all the other things, you know, fractional reserve and all of the things that, that I don't necessarily like about where we are at financially with our country and with our, our currency. And then that, like I said, then that kind mm. of trickles down we'll say uh to other things too so you know ownership of, of of things digitally and being able to prove ownership of things like that uh and attaching value to those things so that you kind of you know get into this ethereum ecosystem with things like nfts uh where you know you can do a lot more with those types of things with, with kind of the programmable version of, of the store value too yeah and that's uh the kind of you know resonates a lot because back in 2012 2013 i was trying to find ways of by of spending gold like that was literally how that kind of got in because it comes from you learn the system sucks and then yeah. it's like you're tired of trying to go let's just go get the i voted sticker and like that's going to change the world and like sometimes it can in certain ways but just people have been trying that for hundreds of years and we're you know this the system is rigged as i'm sure a certain famous yeah. someone said and so i was saying like well because I grew up in the north of Mexico where I saw the value of like the peso fluctuate down versus the dollar. And I remember old coins that were no good anymore. Those are the old pesos. They don't work. The new ones. And so like always when I'm seeing the purchasing power of the dollar going down, I'm just like this is like we're not talking about this. That they're just printing money and doing whatever they want with it. And so trying to use something better, gold. And then when I discovered digital gold, I was like, oh, okay. This is, this is what it's all about. And uh, so I'm sure there's, a, I think there's a, a, there might be something different in the future where there's other people who start to get involved with the space because they see, oh, I've been meaning to make, you know, asset issuance more efficient, or I've been meaning to add greater public transparency to something, I'm willing to add greater redundancy to applications or like other things like that. But for the most part, it seems like the hardcore crypto people of today all came from the same sort of root of the money system or the system, but specifically the money system doesn't work. And this is something yeah. that, that works. It's so uh, when you're thinking about that, uh, then you dive headfirst into uh, content creation and other kinds of stuff. So what is, what's like the big thing you're working on or care most about? I know the, the videos, the YouTube channel, the, you know, all that is probably the more visible aspect. Is that the thing that you're prioritizing the most? Um, no, not really, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I, you know, I do crypto as a hobby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not my full-time gig, so I, I'm not over here just, you know, plotting the next video or mm -hmm. you know, thinking about the, the, the next coin that I'm going to purchase on Uniswap. Uh, I'm not a day trader either, so I do trade. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm more of like an investor slash swing trader. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so the most important thing to me really and where, where I'm focused right now is kind of bridging the gap between what I'm doing in my web development company, which I've been running for over a decade, and what I have interest in in the cryptocurrency space and trying to merge the two together, uh, you know, by moving more into developing blockchain based projects uh, or, or developing, you know, uh, those types of things that, uh, you know, incorporate tokens or, or, or cryptocurrency based assets. So that, that's really my main goal. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do the videos. I talk, I do focus a lot on NFTs and on blockchain gaming uh, because I've always, I'm, I'm a big gamer. I've always been a big gamer. And uh, you know, when I got into this and started seeing how things were going, you know, I was like, you know, the biggest, 
use case here for what's going on in crypto is going to happen in gaming. Uh, yeah. There are, you know, 1.6 billion gamers across the globe, if not more at this point. Uh, and it's a $160 billion industry on average per year. And it's just, it's smashing other entertainment industries. We, even like movies and, and, and television things combined, like they just can't compete. So once, you know, gamers really see the benefits and, and development students really see the benefit of what blockchain technology can do for them. I think there's we're going to see kind of a paradigm shift there from what we kind of see now with the with the monetization models mm -hmm. to what, what we're barely starting to see here with the kind of play to earn models that cryptocurrency brings into play. So yeah. that's really my focus. You know, I'm really focusing on on you know developing projects, bridging the gap between my current business and what I'm doing in crypto, uh, with doing that in a couple of different ways right now. But uh, you know, always looking for more things to work on, more people to work with, and projects to work on. Uh, and, and, you know, with a focus towards, you know, the blockchain gaming and NFT space. So, yeah, I mean, that's something that um, I mean, I haven't been a gamer mostly in like about a decade or something. It's been, you know, too much too much other life has sort of taken over. But it's something I kind of I definitely get the allure of. And it's something that I think that a lot of people are really sleeping on with crypto. And I, it's not like it's not being talked about, but just the way I've seen, for example, I, I do check transaction charts and things like that. And Litecoin has been just always kind of down there in like the, you know, 10 to 30 or 40,000 transactions a day for just many years, just kind of like always like a little bit of Bitcoin spillover, but not much, not much else. And then as soon as Lightbringer came out, all of a sudden I just saw those transactions go woo, -woo just up through the roof. And uh, I'm not sh entirely convinced that every single one of those transactions needs to be a blockchain transaction. But right now it is actually, it's a metric for actual like usage. And um, have you used Twitch at all before? Do you know what Twitch is? Uh, yeah, I, I've checked it out. I haven't used it actually though. I know what it is though, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's a, it's something that I always recommend people use, not because it's like the best social media platform you'll ever use, but because if you're trying to learn stuff, You'll learn a lot of weird behavioral lessons in it, like what the what kind of content works because of the way you charge like two cents to tweet and like eight cents to send a picture. And every time you reply to a comment, it's a little bit of that. And But there's a gamification aspect of it where whoever, if you share something and everyone comments on that post or shares or then then they share it's like you're atop of a pyramid and all the activity kind of some of it trickles back up to you. And so because of that, there's like a, it's not really a social network so much as it is a game. Like people are playing it like a game and it's very addictive to some people when they get into it. And there's just something about that gamification of things that first off, you're trying to tell people, oh, let's, why don't you just close your bank account and start using this digital money to live off of and stuff. You'll get a couple lunatics like me, but other than that, nobody, because it's like a big step. It's very serious. And then, yeah. but the people are going to take a chance with the game. They're just going to be like, oh, I'll do this. Oh yeah, I'll buy five bucks of this token and then just send it and receive it. Who cares? And then they'll, they'll just get hooked. And then it's just kind of part of it. And imagine having to do a micropayment on your credit card every single time you wanted to buy a new power up or something. That would be a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we already see kind of microtransactions in games, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but um, a lot of times I think that you're right. Gamification is something that it makes tasks easier for people to consume and more interesting. You know, when you just say, here's, you know, your task is to learn about the financial system. Most mm -hmm. people don't want to do that in general, you know, so that's why in crypto we have people who are just more about kind of get rich quick versus mm -hmm. a lot of other things, which is kind of the, the predominant nature right now, I think, in, in the, the populace. But uh, gamification, you're right, it, it, it leads people into wanting to do things and try things out because, hey, it's going to be fun. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of interesting lessons you can learn whether or not you're seeking to learn them or not by playing games and because of the economic incentives of things. I'm huge in the economic incentives, and it's it's surprising how few people in crypto even think about that. Like, if this costs something, then you'll get less of it or you'll get less of it unless people value it to a certain extent and stuff. Like just adding a small fee to do an action means that like, I'm sure you've been on platforms and there's a million crypto scammer people saying, click my referral link, telegram link, oh, all this kind of stuff. Very low percentage, but they, they just throw it out there because they have nothing but time on their hands or automation, which makes time even more abundant. And then, but it doesn't cost them anything and they might get a sucker or two. 
But imagine if they had to pay a half cent or something to post. All of a sudden, none of that. It would just disappear overnight. Like you'd have like one or two more sophisticated scammers, but all those low-level bottom feeders clogging up Facebook threads or Twitter comments, you know, giving away Ethereum, here you go. A lot of that would just probably go away. And it's fun when you're trying to say, hey, how does this monetary system work that we created? That's an awkward spot to be doing behavioral uh, experimentation when you're having people's money, like a whole system like that. But if you're just playing a game and it's just like, oh, what happens in Splinterlands if I do this thing? And oh, it makes people tend to do that. Well, you know, the Fed yeah. doesn't have a problem doing it, so but I get you. Yeah, most most yeah. people in general probably would, would though. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's definitely not the sane way of going towards things. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of brings to the uh, the whole crypto tuber world thing, and I know that it's I'm you know friends with people such as Omar who've been in the game for a while, and it's kind of a crazy world to think about people doing you know just like putting their thing into that and. Um, you know, in the old what one called maybe the boomer world, uh, you have a lot of people just still, you know, looking at trusted established publications for news and authority on this and that. But most yeah. people, I think, get their crypto knowledge from YouTube. It's like two thirds or something huge like that. And so, first off, what is it like being a <laughs> being, you know, as you said, like a hobbyist? who nonetheless controls the keys to the kingdom of the financial revolution where people are coming to people like you for their primary source of information, most likely. Is that a little, little that crown a little heavy on your shoulders? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say the, 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 I, I'm wearing quite much of a crown at this point, to be perfectly yeah. honest. There's a lot of other guys out there that have a lot larger mm -hmm. channels than I. Uh, you know, I do focus on putting out quality content. I don't really focus on kind of clickbaity type titles. You know, a lot of my stuff is is very educationally based or tutorial review functionally based. So I do focus on a lot of those types of things. Um, you know, I, like I said, because I don't necessarily do this as a full time job, mm -hmm. I, I can't get as much content out there as I would like to on a daily basis. But it's still a difficult task. And, you know, I, I do still have a great community around me, you know, my community of stashers, I call them. And, uh, you know, I, even though it's not the largest community out there in crypto, you know, we're a very tight knit group. And. Uh, you know, I do feel responsibility to make sure that things I'm putting out there are, are you know, are uh, quality and they're things I've tested personally. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know I, I sometimes I'll do a paid review here and there. It's very few and far in between, but it's always something I've actually gone and tested and used myself first mm -hmm. uh, because I don't, you know, because I get hit up all the time. I mean, like every day I open my inbox and there's people like, hey, paid opportunity, blah, blah. And there's so much. And most of it is just crap. It's just scammy bullshit projects. That I that sometimes I and I try even to respond to everyone just saying not thank you no thank you no thank mm -hmm. you not not interested not interested because I, I I like to be that kind of guy who's not just you know ignoring everything but it, it does get to a point where like sometimes I just got to click delete because it just overwhelms my inbox so yeah what level yeah. do you think that kicks in at like is it, is it did you see like a subscriber threshold where like as soon as you hit it, like a thousand or whatever it was then all of a sudden you get flooded or has it just been a slow tide over the years at any level. Uh, it's been kind of a slow tide, I would say. It's not like I hit, you know, a certain mm -hmm. level and it's like, bam, all of a sudden people are contacting me. You know, it's just I kept building a following. Like I said, I did it very organically. I've never like paid for followers, mm -hmm. which I know a lot of YouTubers have done. You know, we, we've definitely seen that uh, over the years here. And, uh, you know, because I'm not it's not a for me, it's not a race. I'm not trying to get to a million followers, 100,000 followers. I, I, I honestly don't really care. I put out the content I put out because it's things that I'm interested in or it's things that, you know, the people who I talk with in my community daily are interested in. Um, and, you know, I try and just be as helpful as possible as it really comes down to. That's that's always been my main goal overall with the content I'm creating, with the website that I that I have, with the articles that I publish, you know, is just just be helpful. You know, people need help a lot of times. And, you know, there's a lot of beginners out there, people who, who are sometimes afraid to ask questions because, They've been ridiculed on posts on Twitter or or in comments on YouTube or whatever yeah. it may be. And you see people and then you see content creators making fun of these people too and treating them like shit or you know, uh, you know, bullying them. And I'm just not that's not really what I stand for. And so, you know, I try and create an environment where everyone can feel safe to discuss things in my telegram group or, you know, be able to ask questions no matter how stupid or 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 you know basic they may think it is. You know, there's always gonna be somebody else out there that has that same question but was afraid to ask it because they think there's going to be some sort of repercussion. 
And that's really what I try and foster with my content and, and doing things. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it is a balance of responsibility and, uh, you know, still getting visibility. You know, it, it's crazy how the videos that are always a little bit more clickbaity in title or in, in thumbnail definitely get this better response. Like, if mm-hmm. you know, I, I very ever rarely drop something like get rich quick or how you can 20 extra investment. You know, because that's just not how I do it. But every time, if ever I do, I can almost guarantee that video is going to be a well-watched video for some reason. And, you know, I think I said this speaks to the type of people who are in crypto. Uh, And so, you know. Yeah. Get rich quick is on everyone's mind at at, at most point here. Yeah. Or at the very least, don't miss out on getting rich when you could have. Now, uh, that's the thing that's kind of funny is... Have you been able to measure in some kind of a way, whether it's from comments or whether it's from clicks on links or whatever, or from subscribers that like some videos uh, might get a lot of like just someone just clicks to see what it's about, but then they click off or whatever versus mm-hmm. some of the less spicy content ends up making getting a lot more um, actual quality engagement. Have you been able to like watch that or is it just that people engage just it just all goes up with like a click clickbait kind of a situation. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely depends on the content. You know, I, I, I can see, you know, trends in, you know, putting out different styles of content. So, you know, the stuff that maybe is a little bit more clickbaity. Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to do a little bit more well in views, uh, depending on the length of that content. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is going to be t- depend on how much watch time that video is going to get. So, you know, I, I try to find, you know, I find that, you know, shorter videos are always good, but not too short, you know, and uh, yeah, you know, keeping it very direct and very concise, uh, you know, try not to ramble too much. Sometimes I get off on tangents and shit, but yeah, you know, of I'm course. straight on course. And uh, yeah, so, so, you know, it really does depend on the, the actual um, type of content that I'm putting out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, anytime, anytime I go with a sort the, the title and, and the thumbnail are always a big, big part of, you know, getting views on a video. Um, most people who are looking at channels like this and look at things they're, they're that's all they're looking at. They're looking at views. They're not necessarily looking at, you know, watch time, things like that. They're not looking at those. They're not, you know, getting access to those types of metrics. So views are what they kind of go by, which mm-hmm. is why a lot of people, you know, in the crypto or just content, you know, creator space in general will buy a lot of uh, views or they'll buy uh, followers so they can pump those numbers, which then looks great to sponsors or paid, you know, people paid content uh, uh, you know, providers. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's an important point about education as well, that um, that's one of those reasons why maybe YouTube is one of those places people go to because crypto is a weird, weird world. Like it doesn't, if you think about any other world that you're in, it's kind of one of the most ill-defined, I would say, worlds. Uh, for me, it's very clear like what it is and why it's important. But for like the the right. average human being, if you're like, oh, okay, there's a tech com- a gaming community, like, well, these people love to play the game. Or if there's a, you know, people love like they're a smartphone enthusiast of some kind. They're like, oh, here yeah. they talk about real things that people use in everyday life. Or there's a car group, or there's or whatever. And crypto is like this weird space where it's like investors. But not just invest, not just investors, investor sort of enthusiast uh, combinations. Yeah. There is no such thing, for the most part, as like a crypto user, other than a few very small exceptions. Like most people use it ish, but like they invest in it and then they try it out and all this. And so it's harder. A lot of people just, you know, give these articles talking about, oh, this coin and this, you know, Uniswap is going through the roof and this and that. And, People are like, oh, I should be participating in this, but I don't know what that even means. <laughs> and so, yeah. like, how do I swap a uni? Like, they don't know what's going on. And then, you know, if they click on an actual video that doesn't just say sick gains, they can say, all right, this is what it is. This is how it works. And this is, you know, how to get some. This is how to use the actual exchange. This is, you know, click through. And then they can't kind of know where to land from there. But I think it is kind of a funny thing. We're talking about trying to educate people and... That reminded me of, of course, the ill-fated um, Peter McCormack tweet where he says that he doesn't know what an X-Pub key is. And people just jumped on him all over the place like that. And let me be honest, like I, I'm a heavy-duty user of this stuff, but uh, the only reason I know what an X-Pub key is is because I needed to, like, I was trying to help set up some apps and stuff and set up, like, a merchant app. And like, oh, input your X-Pub key. Like, what is that? What does that do? 
And then like, it's only because I ran into the issue that I needed to become educated to that level. And some people are, you know, be like, Oh, you're a noob. You suck. Okay. Whatever. Like no one knows until it actually works. Yeah. Right, and that goes back to what I was just saying before: is that people are afraid to ask questions and put it out there because they're going to get ridiculed. And the higher you are up on the popularity totem, mm-hmm. you know, the more you're you're going to be susceptible to that. And you know, it, it's unfortunate because he he just you know maybe he just needed a little bit of of advice and learning. But you, you're right; people come out of the woodworks and you know try and mm-hmm. just belittle somebody like that. And whether you like him or not, I mean, you know, you, we shouldn't be discouraging people from learning, but that happens so often here in crypto of course. that it, it starts to piss me off. And I, I don't like engaging with those types of people because that's not what I'm about. Yeah, for sure. And I do find that it tends to be, uh, it's not, it tends to be that people are trying to become, pass themselves off as experts. That if you're not an expert, you don't belong there. But expert in what? And it just seems to be, let's just, create this illusion of expertise and build it up as high as we can do as many little, you know, buzzwords as we can, as we can like deftly maneuver through the language of crypto. And the better we are at the language of crypto, the better we must be at crypto, whatever that even means. But what does that mean? And so like, for example, the only reason you need to know extended public key is if you're a user or an app developer or something, and you just need to know, Oh, I got to put this in here. And then I get a new address every time. This is how, uh, HD wallets work. This is a regular wallets work. Like who really needs to know that? And more importantly, does Peter McCormick need to know that in order to qualify as the expert he purports to be? Does he purport to be an expert that needs to know that? Or does he just purport to be a journalist, educator, whatever? And I'm, I, I'm not familiar enough with the extent of his work to be able to answer that for him. But it is kind of an interesting kind of a point where no one wants to be People love to use these words like, you know, immutability and then things like that. And then they just don't know. We were touring complete. That's another thing that probably no one knows what that even means. They're able to recite a dictionary definition, but they don't, you know, know what that means or why does it care? Or it's, you know, sound money and scarcity and like, okay, do that? Those are things. Do you understand them? Or do you just know how to repeat the definitions, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, in my opinion, there's really no experts out there in crypto, or very few few that I would consider this person as a truly an expert. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't see a problem with that, to be perfectly honest. You know, this is an industry that's barely 10 years old. You know, you look at most other industries out there where you do have these industry experts or people who have been working in these industries for decades, and, and they're well-established. But, you know, cryptocurrency changes so incredibly fast, too, mm-hmm. where, you know... Even just a couple of months ago, you know, we have new terms, new new definitions of things, new new directions that things have gone. And you're like, oh, what? You don't know about, you know, Uniswap or you don't know about sushi or yams? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, just keeping up with some of this stuff is incredibly hard uh, for people even like me who are in it and looking at it every single day, multiple hours a day. Even I can't keep up. So to think that the average user can do that is, is just, you know, it, it's ridiculous. So... When it comes down to like yeah experts and 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 those types of things like I think that we're all learning that's that's the way I present myself I'm not an expert I'm just you know a guy who has technical background I I understand you know some of these basic elements of this and and some of the higher level tech stuff and I just try and present things to people simply you know I understand that when you talk about the level of 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 you know expertise and 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 of of comprehension out there is going to be very different across who's watching your videos or your content my number one thing has always been like, you know, if I'm educating people, I want to be able to describe this incredibly complex thing in a very simplistic way where even your grandma can understand what's going on and get that. You know, I actually did. I, I used to do in-person classes actually in my mm. city teaching people about Bitcoin. And this was in 2017. And, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, well, not everyone learns online. A lot of people yeah. don't learn YouTube videos. Are you saying, oh, most people do. Well, I mean, yeah, a lot of people do, but there's a lot of people that actually really just don't. They don't prefer that platform for learning. And so I have a classroom in front of me of, you know, 20, 30 people, you know, varying different ranges of people from, you know, our age all the way up to, uh, you know, people who are in like their 80s. I had had an 80 year old lady that came there with her grandson to learn about Bitcoin with him. And, you know, the first hurdle there in challenge was when I first started off and I'm, I'm doing the hands-on demo after I did a couple of like slides and things. And I said, I said, okay, now copy and paste this URL into this box. And she, and, and she raises her hand. This old lady raises her hand. She goes, 
I don't know how to copy and paste. Yeah, that's uh... so. That, so, I, so I walked over there. I mm-hmm. showed her. I said, oh, "Look, it's as simple as Control C and then Control V. There you go." Mm-hmm. And so you know, it, it, you got to understand that, that being able to describe things in the most simple way is really mm-hmm. going to be the key to education. And you know, the key to education is people wanting to do it. You know, which is not always going to be the case, unfortunately. A lot of people just don't want to know how things work or how things do it, and they just want to use it. You know, no one knows how to, to- like you said, no one knows how a toaster works or how a DVD works or maybe how what touring complete really is. They don't care, and they probably don't really need to know. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. If, they... you're, if your TV breaks, you're not going to like bust it open and start trying to fix the LEDs inside of it. You're yeah. going to take it to a qualified repair man. You know, and I think that's why people turn to, you know, uh, YouTubers and other people in the space for that kind of help because there's not much of it out there in the in a, in a well-structured kind of way, you know? Yeah, that's, um, and of course, that's a great uh, explanation of how you get new new people on board. And it also kind of reminds me when I'm thinking about a toaster, uh, is the the ways in which a toaster is quite different from crypto in that you don't have to explain to people why they need a toaster. And then once they get it and they know how to use it, they don't need to be, they don't need to be explained taught what to do with it they know they're going to put they know they need it to make their bread all crispy and so they put their bread in they go boom and then they get well get their thing that's out. true now mm-hmm. that's true now but think about when the toaster was first invented yeah what were they doing before put how did the they oven. get toasted it was like you had to stick it in an oven or you know it, so then you get to this like oh there's a newfangled contraption where you just put the slices in this thing you press it down like so yeah, I mean that that's that, that's always the case with every new thing that is replaced an old system. You know, uh, when you're talking about here's how we did it, and this has been working for you know shit. We've been toasting bread over fire for you know thousands of years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but well now how do we do it now? Okay, well wow, there's this great new contraption called a toaster, and you know it takes two slices of bread, but but people had to be taught how to do it, and that you know not everyone was using it right away, and you know same thing with like cell phones. Yeah. You know, cell phones just not like, oh, here's the technology. Oh, it's so easy. Everyone knows how to use it. And boom, now everyone has one. I mean, it took decades for everyone to get to a point where they had cell phones. I mean, now even pe- still people around the globe, there's people who don't have cell phones, which, you know, is, is probably a, is still a really large part of this population. Not yeah, in the absolutely. U.S. probably, but still, yeah, there's people who don't have them or don't know how they work very well. And so there is always going to be that learning curve. It just, you know, right now we're really early in that learning curve for Bitcoin and for cryptocurrencies. And some of the, some things, you know, obviously are adopted a lot faster and quicker because they are easier to understand than, you know, maybe cryptocurrencies at this point. Yeah. And that's funny because the, the toaster to the smartphone comparison kind of shows a lot how the space is a little bit different because even before the toaster existed, people knew they wanted toasty bread. And now you have a machine that just, if they know how to use it, it does that for them. But like with crypto, you don't know what you're supposed to do with it once you get it really in a lot of cases. But with the smartphone, it, I remember my own struggles back in the day. I was like, even though I'm the consummate smartphone user today, for a while, you know, I grew up on a cattle ranch. It was a little bit of a, a proto-boomer back in the day. And I didn't understand text message. I didn't get why people would do that if you can just call or send an email. Like, I didn't get right. the point. And then I also don't didn't get apps. I got so mad at apps because I didn't understand what they're for. I was like, I'm just going to open the web browser in the app, like the you know Chrome or whatever, in the smartphone right. and just... Do go to Twitter or whatever else I need right from there. I didn't understand why you needed a dedicated app, and they made me mad because I didn't understand why the, all these apps being thrust on me. And now, of course, I kind of get it. And it's one of those sorts of things too. It's like, why do you need, you know, why do you need a wallet? Like, why do you need another wallet? Why do you need, you know, cold storage? Why do you need? And then people people just be like, I just want my bank app to do this. And then eventually, I think that I think that people are initially going to feel like. We just want a Coinbase, which is going to be our crypto bank. And there's also going to be eventually a tide turning where people start to become comfortable with the idea of the technology and be like, well, I'm going to store a lot of this on my own. And then everyone might use a Coinbase type thing, might have also a personal spending wallet and then have their little hardware wallet, which takes me back to like the granny story. And that reminds me of I was trying to set up my own mother with a hardware wallet. And I, I was just saying like, all right, so now here you're going to go, I was trying to explain about writing down, you know, the recovery phrase. I'm like, okay, well, now you're going to get these words and you're going to write them down. She's like, I already wrote some down. What do you mean you already wrote them down? I already did it. We didn't get to that stage yet. Like, I just came with my own and wrote them down. 
I'm like, that's, that's not how it works. You can't just come up with random words and then they're associated with the money and a little stick there. You have to take the words they gave you and write those down. You, otherwise, you just like, it doesn't work. <laughs> and just that like, that point, you know, at some point people are going to be thinking about their, their backups. Like people don't usually do safes very much these days, like a, a physical safe. Not many people do. I mean, I know there are some, but I think that people are going to start to, when they realize they don't have to store big pallets of cash or something that can just be stolen that easily, I think that you will find a little bit of a transition on that. But so in all this education uh, stuff you've been doing, have you run into the dreaded uh, YouTube strike situation yet? No. No. I've I'm never had with it you know i don't i don't I, i've definitely seen a lot of my friends uh, crypto mm -hmm. friends uh have issues with youtube they get strikes for no reason or their channel gets shut down for no reason it's been happening pretty consistently uh here over the last year or two but uh i've never had any issues i i don't know i honestly i kind of attribute that to the style of my content mm -hmm. you know it's not clickbaity it's not it's get not scammy <laughs> it's not scammy i mean even though a lot of times you know the content itself is not scammy but the video title and the the thumbnail seem like they could be scammy yeah right just based on oh, those things that chart going up like right yeah. exactly yeah and i mean so so i think that that that's a, a big part of it and so all my stuff is very focused on educational content i post in the educational co category of youtube mm -hmm. maybe they're posting in investment or other things i'm not sure uh how youtube decides you know mm -hmm. who's going to get strikes or who's going to get shut down yeah, but no, I have any issues with it. It's funny because there was a, an era when this started, when people started start. I started to see complaints about, oh, my channel got demonetized, oh, it got shut down, and every time mm -hmm. I was looking at them, I'm like, yeah, you would be the one that they go after. Like, I, no offense, but you're kind of there's some sketchiness going on. But now it's right. being, you know, people who absolutely have no business be in that territory, and so, you know, I would put my friend Naomi Brockwell as kind of the gold standard for crypto and other educator type things. She's been in the business for decades now, not just of crypto, but of other stuff, you know, just does really well, concise, you know, researched kind of stuff. And then when she starts getting strikes, I think a lot of that honestly was not crypto related. It was mostly talking about Corona and other things like that, which, you know, maybe just from saying the Rona, all of a sudden my channel is about to be taken down, but who knows? But when people like that started getting demonetization and strikes and stuff, I, I started to really um, care a little bit more. And then of course, a couple towns over from where I'm at is where the, where the library offices are, where, you know, the decentralized YouTube thingy, which is where most of your stuff that I, I watched were on, of course, because I make a conscious effort to, you know, unfortunately not pump your YouTube, YouTube account. Sorry about for that, but I pump yeah, your library okay. accounts. I love, I love people watching me on library too. Yeah, I'm on quite a few decentralized platforms. And so yeah, supporting people there is important. And some people have pointed out that maybe library is the most used decentralized application in the world today. Because I know library.tv, the web, you know, the, the YouTube front end for that in August got over 4 million visitors. And, mm. you know, that's in mean, the crypto world is pretty respectable. And I don't know what other, like, I'm sure there's 4 million monthly Bitcoin users, but how usey are they? Like, how many actually touch their, their keys in over the, it's probably way fewer than that. It's probably just a few thousand, to be honest. Like, as far as when your point about gaming being one of those big ones, I think the gaming and content slash, you know, identity and stuff is going to be way before money become alternative money becomes mainstream. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, like I said, alternative money becoming mainstream, it really kind of already is what mm -hmm. now mainstream adoption from a, a large populace is a little bit of a different thing than, you know, something being kind of synonymous with, uh, you know, a, a larger group of people. Mm -hmm. And when you start major corporations and companies, you know, betting on Bitcoin, uh, it's it's something that's not necessarily going to be going away at this point. Most people have probably heard about it. There's, uh, you know, I, I feel like there's very people who have just like, no, I've never even heard the word Bitcoin before. What is this thing? You know, <laughs> they, may know they may know jack shit about it. They may not be interested or invested in any kind of way. But I think it, it one of, at this point, it's become something that people are at least familiar with, even if they've never, you know, looked at it or have any kind of knowledge about it. Mm 
uh, you know, gaming is one of the is, is a very similar thing. I've been a gamer since I was a kid, man. Gaming was not cool. <laughs> I remember. It was for geeks. It was for nerds. It was not what cool kids did. It wasn't what cool people did. I've been a gamer since, you know, yeah, I used to play tabletop Dungeons & Dragons games. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, uh, console games from Atari on up. Mm-hmm. And then building my own PCs when I was like 12 and, you know, doing PC gaming and stuff like that. So um, it was never a cool thing. It was never the, the thing that everyone was doing. Now, that doesn't mean that people didn't know about games. They, yeah. they knew it was an Atari. They had probably heard the word Nintendo or Super Mario. But that, does that mean they owned a system and were playing it? Probably not. No, it mean that it was any less mainstream. It just didn't have the same sort of adoption that you would think. But now look look at gaming. Mm-hmm. Everybody and their mama plays games. Yeah, and, pro and, athletes. You see a lot of like the coolest yeah, yeah, people on the planet doing it. Right, exactly. Now, now, now people, you know, uh, kids in, in, in school now, they look up to the people who are the best gamers, not the best football players or the mm-hmm. best soccer players or the best whatever players. Sports is, 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 is you know, kind of um, taking this, this U-turn a little bit. And now the nerds are the cool uh, athletes. And they're the ones that are dominating the arena with millions of people watching them and cheering them on. And it's just kind of it's crazy how things have changed in that respect. So I, I think that, you know, we're, we're going to get there with with uh, what we're doing in cryptocurrency. I think it'll be woven into a lot of existing industries in that kind of way where it's just seamless. But it makes things work better than they do now. And that's really yeah. the goal here I think, with what we're doing, in, in particular with gaming. When you can say, hey, incorporating blockchain into your game makes it work 20% better, or you can make 20% more profit, or you can get 20% better metrics, or you know whatever it may be, uh, that, that's when we're really winning. You yeah. know? And I think that, that is a seamless thing behind the scenes. And so there's not people out there that are like, I'm a huge fan of LEDs. <laughs> of course no one cares they're not like fans of leds they're fans of the fact that, that you know it's cheaper or you're getting better or longer quality light or you know sweeter looking tvs or you know or a million applications better grown vegetables uh with these things and so yeah i think that you know, yeah but exactly it's all it's it's a back-end technology that you know does have a front end that, that is is public and visible and is important for sure but it's also one of those things where people don't give a shit about the back end, man. They just want things to work. Most people don't care. They just want convenience. They want it to be easy and they want it to be easier and better than what they had before. And if it's not, then most people aren't going to use it. Yeah. The gaming parallels to all that remind me of a, a friend of mine who, uh, while he was, he was a, a martial arts competitor in Taekwondo. And during that time, he was also, I believe, the top ranked Halo 3 player in the world. He was like a hardcore gamer, and then he used to play RuneScape a ton. And when he played RuneScape, he found out that you could sell RuneScape gold for real money. And yeah. so he would go and mine RuneScape gold all day long. But pretty quickly, he figured out that you know that's not efficient, and he realized that they kicked bots pretty easily. So he wrote, he had a little mouse events bot that would literally just move his mouse and prescribe things. So he had his little runescape characters mining gold all day long through like a mouse events thing while he was going doing other things and which is very similar to i guess you know proof of work cryptocurrency mining you're just like solving yeah. a little puzzle generating tokens for that and then at some point the um they've managed to take out almost all the runescape bots at the time he managed to pull half of his offline just in time but he still lost like half of his runescape gold but the half that he had was worth more than double like it was worth more than what he originally had before so then you get to be like a token burn kind of a thing you can start to see like supply and demand of stuff to where or or stock burn or whatever and and then where even though he has fewer tokens they're worth more and it's like you get that economics lesson with within the gaming you get the mining proof of work kind of thing and that kind of world if you just take that you you don't they don't need to know or care about crypto but then they get into it and they already understand how it works and it just you know, it's kind of like a, it's almost like, you know, is ga- is gaming for crypto or is crypto for gaming, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, gamers make them the most sense for a mainstream adoption of crypto because they're already very familiar with the value of digital assets or mm-hmm. digital items. And a lot of people aren't. Yeah. And it's arbitrary it's, digital assets, too. It's not just, yeah, yeah, exactly. just there's already you know, the some digital random thing. Right. The digital asset market, you know, in video games is, is you know, already like 20 plus billion dollars, 60 plus, I'm sorry, 60 plus billion dollars a year. Mm-hmm. That's that's a massive market there. 
And so you look at like, well, who's doing that? It's people who are comfortable with valuing things that are of just a digital nature. And everyone's always like, well, what gives this value? And what gives that value? It's only digital. It's not real. It's not physical. You can't hold it. Like, come on, guys, get with the program. The fact of the matter is, is that you're living, if that's the way you look at life, then you're living very far behind the times. And, you know, you're going to end up being a pets.com where you're just left in the dust of, of what's going on in the, in the boom of, 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 you know, future technologies here. So, yeah, uh, I think that, yeah, that, that's one of the main things and the reasons why I think gaming is going to lead the way with real mainstream adoption is because gamers are already okay and they're comfortable with, you know, these, 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 uh, uh, transacting in, 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 you know, digital assets and the valuing of them and the scarcity and rarity of them and, and, you know, knowing that they do hold value. Yeah. They're already used to imaginary worlds creating from nothing, having real world value. Yeah. And it's just a, a very easy step over to just see, oh, this is just like that, but different. Well, it's... yeah, I mean, I, I did the same thing back in the day. I was playing uh, Ultima Online, which was one of the first mm -hmm. ever MMORPGs uh, to, you know, to ever establish. It was like the, one of the, the, mm -hmm. the first one. And, you know, I loved that game, and I, but I got very addicted to it. And I got to a point where I was like, okay, I got to get rid of this account. And I sold my account with gold and stuff like that that I had mined, you know, over time I collected. And I sold that on eBay, but all those things are against most games tosses. Even today, you know, most games don't have built-in markets. You're not allowed to go sell, you know, assets to other people, even though it happens in a ton of games, it's not supposed to be happening. And I think that's really what, you know, blockchain helps with gaming too, is it, um, you know, changing that, that, you know, that the way that those things work, you know, ch shifting that paradigm. So, so, you know, we're building in the markets now and, you know, uh, the, the company is getting secondary residuals or third or fourth or fifth, you know, depending on how many times it's traded. And, and so there's a lot more potential for, for future revenue with these types of blockchain based systems. Um, you know, if they're done right, because, you know, you're giving actual ownership to the gamers instead of saying, well, really, you just kind of, you know, you, you don't really necessarily own this item. You just, you know, we, it's it's our item, but you you technically have it on the server. And if we decide, you know, you did something wrong, we can take it from you. So you don't really technically own it. It's it's, it's locked into in, in their actual, you know, in their actual servers that, that are centralized. So, yeah, well, this seems like it's probably a good juncture to wrap the whole thing up. Uh, where can people find more about the stuff that's important to you? So you can find all of the stash-related content and links and stuff on my website, cryptostash.com. And you know, I have links to all my, my stuff. So YouTube, Twitter, mm -hmm. Library, Theta, also a decentralized platform. And then some other ones like uh, Uptrend and uh, Hive, like Peaked and, you know, uh, Peepeth and Float and, you know, a bunch of others that I, I'm on out there. So I, I definitely love supporting all the crypto-based uh, social media sites too. All right, well, fantastic. Well, thanks again for, for being on. Definitely illuminating chat and everyone go check out his stuff and learn what the granny learned, which is how to copy and paste and more. I'm sure a lot more yeah. than that. Yep, start there if you need to. <laughs> yeah, all right, bye everyone. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and donate to support the show by going to my Cointree page. That's cointr.ee slash the desert links and leave a message with your donation. Check out the show's sponsors. Protect your privacy online with NordVPN. Avoid content censorship with Library. Live on crypto with BitRefill. Get paid to search with PreSearch. All links are in the show notes.